Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, the windfall elimination provision, government pension offset, and spousal social security benefits. Also, Roth IRA conversions and Medicare, Roth conversions from a thrift savings plan, and conversions to buy real estate. Plus, asset location and other tax planning strategies beyond Roth IRA conversions, you know, like life insurance and charitable remainder trusts. Wisconsinites, this might not be the episode for you. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Okay, I have a question regarding Social Security. My wife is eight years my senior. I married a cougar, Ken. <laughs> it's Ken, by the way. Yeah, Ken, you dog, you. A cougar, <laughs> action. She's probably hot. She retired from the U.S. government and receives a TSP retirement pension, which does not allow for her to collect Social Security. If I elect to start my Social Security at age 62, can she also receive a spousal allotment pay along with my payout from Social Security? Meaning if I receive $11,000 at 62, can she- What's that? 1100 at 62. I'm sorry, 11. If I receive $1,185 at 62, can she receive one third of that amount also? Thank you for answering my question. <sighs> okay. So can she receive the spousal even though she can't collect on her own? No, it's the, it's the same. It's government the same pension offset, GPO. Yeah. GPO, right. Uh, no. So it would be limited. Uh, there's still, there, there could be some benefits depending on if she's, uh, how long, um, it sounds to me that her whole career was under the U.S. government. So maybe she's civil service retirement. But she's got a TSP, so that is probably a federal employee retirement. So, so I'm not sure what 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 under what U.S. government plan that she's on or what pension plan that she has. Um, but no, she would receive a, a reduced, significantly reduced benefit. She would not be able to take the the spousal benefit as a normal right. individual would because of her pension. So, um, I would need more information. But you could just look up GPL. Uh, government pension offset, um, so it offsets that spousal and survivor benefit. You want to go with Wanda's Social Security here? She's got a bunch of questions. She's kind of taking advantage of some time here, Al. But. Um, I would say you're the reader of the questions. You decide. <laughs> I mean, if they're this long, you know it's going to sound awful, and I'm going to make an ass out of myself. But people like that. They like your I don't really humility. think they like it. Actually, Joe, there is somebody who later in the email says, I can't wait to hear how Joe reads my question. <laughs> Because they laugh. You are. And it hurts my feelings. You are a podcast YouTube sensation, apparently. (laughs) They can't read. (laughs) That's what they like. You're human. Okay, Wanda, here here goes nothing here. Uh, my, My name is Wanda, and I watch your YouTube presentation on Social Security today. Learned a lot. I have a few questions I hope you can answer. You know what? I got a question the other day. Oh, boy. Did you, did you see, were you on that chain? I don't know yet. This lady wanted to claim a restricted application, right? So she sends me this email to like, no, she, she downloaded one of our social security guides, right? And she's like, basically sends the email saying this thing's a piece of crap. Yeah. She said this didn't answer any of my questions. She's like, this answered zero questions that I had. She didn't tell us what they were. (laughs) So I'm a nice guy, right? So I see this pop up and I reply and I said, you know what? There's 527 different combinations to claim this stuff. There's hundreds of rules. Send me a question and I'll be more than happy to answer it. Yeah. Okay. Good. She didn't like my answer. (laughs) 
because you didn't answer a question. No, you, uh, no, she, she, because here's what she wanted to have happen. It's like, okay, well here, and then it's, of course it's not her, it's her neighbor. And then she came up with this, like, and then I consider them family. So I'm doing research for them. It's like, well, I don't give it, who gives it crap, right? Right. So she's like, all right, um, married couple, both of them have not claimed benefit. So the, the older spouse has higher earnings, wanting the higher spouse to uh, continue to have a max benefit at age 70. Sure. Then was like, well, I want the other spouse to claim a, a, a restricted application and a spouse benefit. They're both 68 years old, so they qualify under the rules. And I said, sure, she could file a restricted application and let her benefit grow only if the other spouse claims their benefit. Yeah, that, that rule changed, what, four or five years ago? So in April 29th of 2015 or 2016, yeah. you had to file and suspend, right? So That's she right. was thinking, well, no, you know, because I'm talking to the IRS and they're telling me I can't do it. And I think they're, you know, there's no way. And she, oh, my God. Anyway, but I was like, no, you can't do it. I, and then I, and I showed her the rules, gave her the links to the to Social Security. I was pretty tight, I yeah, thought. Yeah, right? sure. And, she and I said, I, I go, here, I hope this helps. Her reply doesn't help at all. She's like, you're talking about file and suspend. I didn't even ask you about file and suspend. <laughs> so uh, here's my theory. She's cranky because of COVID-19. She's housebound. Okay. All right. Wanda? Let's that answer was your not questions. Wanda, by the way. <laughs> no, it was not Wanda. All right. Uh, number one, I was married for 30 years and then divorced. Both myself and ex-spouses are still single. He is 63 and I am 62. He retired at age 55. I don't plan to retire until 2021. I heard you mention being able to claim your spouse Social Security if he and or both of you are over 62. My question is, can I claim his Social Security until I'm ready to claim my full retirement at 66 and seven months? So, no, you can't, Wanda, because now there's new rules. It's called deemed. So you can't kind of flip-flop is what I think yeah. she wants to do. Well, she can claim it, but she'll get a reduced benefit for hers when she gets to age 66. Yeah, they'll take a look at both benefits. They'll say, okay, here's the spousal benefit, and then here's your own benefit. Right. We're going to combine them together. Yeah, they are. At 62. Right. So there's no kind of flip-flopping anymore. Unless his is gigantic and, or, and hers is small, maybe. You know, I don't know. But then it would just be but his, they, but then she wouldn't be able to a, flip hers. It'd be a reduced benefit. Yeah, she wouldn't be able to flip it. Right. Okay, I would like to retire at 63.9 years, however. 63.9. That's pretty good. That's that's 11 <laughs> point. <laughs> what uh, the point, hell? Point four, that's 11 months and four days. I'm guessing she means 63 and nine months. Uh, well, 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 but yeah, that's not what she tells well, Here's where I, well, you know, here's my retirement date. I want to be 64 years, four months, and, you know, three days. I've never seen anything like 63. that. 63.9. I like to retire at 63.9 years. However, um, I would prefer to draw my Social Security benefits at full-time retirement age, 66.7 years. My question is, by waiting until I'm 66.7 years, will this reduce my overall Social Security benefit because I would not have worked 3.3 years? A smidge. They're going to take a look at 35 years of work history. Um, so if you're not working from 63 to 66, is it going to make a huge difference? 
Um, it depends on how many years of credit that you have. So if you had 32 years of work history, well, yeah, you would want to work the other three to get the full 35. Um, so yeah. that would help. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize when you get the social security statements, the benefit presumes that you're going to work all the way up to your retirement age, right? And if you don't, like, let's say you worked at least 35 years. That's great. You don't have a zero year because they take your highest 35 years, but perhaps your last few years are greater pay than your first three. And so, yeah, you might have a little bit lesser benefit than what's on the statement, but it's usually not that. Yeah, it's not going to be tens of thousands of dollars. Right. You're talking a couple hundred dollars a year, maybe. Right. Maybe a thousand. Yeah. Okay. I was employed with the federal government for 12 years and did not pay into Social Security. I worked in other public agencies prior and after my employment with the federal government, totaling over 30 years in which I paid into Social Security. Oh, so look at this. He kind of answers our question here. Do I fall into the windfall elimination provision where money will be deducted from my Social Security? And then number four, how do I avoid windfall elimination provision? You can't avoid it. I mean, right, you can put 35 years, but you still have 12 years. You're still going to receive a pension. So a real easy thing to do, Wanda, um, because we don't have what your pension's going to be from the federal government. Um, and I don't know what your Social Security work history looks like. You could plug it in. Uh, just Google windfall elimination provision. And really what that is, is kind of like that other question we got with the government offset provision. Right. Or, or right, government pension offset, pension offset. Um, is that if I qualify for a government pension or like Cal Sturz, if I'm a school teacher, right, you don't put it into Social Security, you put it into another pension system, they don't want you to double dip. So there's going to be a reduction because you're receiving cash income some, from somewhere else because you didn't put it into the system, right? So you just want to do the math and you can do the calculation just by looking at, all right, well, here, here's my pension. Here's my social security benefits, plug in uh, windfall elimination provisions. We have these calculators. So if you give me that information, I could tell you easily, but just how do I avoid it? It's hard to avoid unless you want to work another few years, but you don't, you want to retire in a couple of years. So you're not going to avoid it. So you can maximize your social security benefits by working to full retirement age, but you're still going to have a little bit of reduction there depending on the pension. So that was kind of a mouthful. Yeah, it was. All right. Um, Janine in okay, got it. Corona Del Mar. Okay. I think it's Jean or Jean. Jeannie. Jean. Jeannie? It's either Jean or Jeannie. Jeannie. With the E at the end of Jeannie. Yeah, yeah Jeannie. Jean is usually G-E-A-N, right? No. I've kind of blown up the names today. <laughs> Jeannie. You're good at that. Yes, I know. Just found out I had a pension coming in. All right. From a place that I worked 12 years ago. Oh, for 12 years, 30 years ago. I never put any money into it. We have saved for retirement with several accounts. No debt in our house is paid in full. Should I just take the lump sum, $160,000, and roll it to my existing IRA? We are planning on Social Security for me at 68 and my husband at age 70. I am two years older than my husband with him being the larger earner. Or should I take Social Security at 66 since I don't know the viability of Social Security given this pandemic? Oh, well, I think, Jeannie, we need to know with $160,000 lump sum, what would be the, the pension amount? Yeah, that'd be nice to know, right? Um, yeah, so that's a math. That's a, you're asking a math question with only one variable. Right. Right. Yeah, so basically you look at the monthly payment multiplied by 12, and then divide that into the, the lump sum to get the percentage payout. 
Now you can do present value. You can make it a lot more complicated. I'm just making it simple, right? And so let's just say it came out to 6%. I would have done an internal rate of return calculation, but. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's better. Yeah, don't think of it. Yeah, that's that trick. IRR. Anyway, so let's, let's just say you get 6%, which sounds pretty good. But then if it's, uh, there's no inflation riders, you know, and you're going to live for another 30 years, then the 6% may not look pretty good in a few years. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at, all right, well, what, what, what's they're going to pay you in a, in a guaranteed fixed income or that's guaranteed, quote unquote, from the company. Um, and then you compare that to $160,000 to determine kind of what's going to make more sense mathematically. Uh, but then there's the emotional side, because if you don't believe that, I mean, hey, this is free money in her, in her mind. She wasn't expecting it. Yeah, you know, right. Hey, I worked for this company 30 years ago. All of a sudden I find out I got 160000 bucks. I mean, let's just roll the thing in the IRA and call it good. Yeah, some people like to know they have control over it. And once it's in an IRA, you can do Roth conversions, right? If you pass away, it's still there for your spouse or benefic- other beneficiaries. So there, there's, there's pros and cons, but those are some of the pros. Um, so she's also thinking about taking um, benefit at age 66. Husband's taking it at age 70. Um, we are planning Social Security for 68 on my husband at 70. I'm two years older than my husband. Um, so yeah, you, here's, here's something that you could do is that, let's see, I don't know how old she is. So you could take it at, let's say at your full retirement age at 66, right? um, which is fine. Then your husband could take a spousal benefit at age 68 and let his continue to grow. And then he can turn his benefit on at age 70. Yeah. That's a, a little bit of free money there. And then if you think that the except pandemic she, is going to blow it up. Yeah, except she says she's two years older than her husband. I know. So right. she takes it at 66. And then he would take it. At, she would take the spousal at 66. So. No, she takes his. He waits two years. Then he turns 66, his full retirement age. She's 68 at the time. When he turns his full retirement age, he's going to then turn the spousal benefit on. Right. Right? He's not going to touch his own benefit on his, on his record. So he takes half of her benefit up until his age 70 for four years. And then he turns his on at age 70. Okay. I I think I'm thinking about it differently, but that's all right. I'm too confused anyway. I'll go with your answer. (laughs) Well, it's the right answer, right? (laughs) (laughs) So because they're both, uh, well, I thought, so she's two years older. So she, takes it when she's 68 when, he's when, 66 when, yeah so she, when she takes it yeah she takes it at 68 he's well let's say she takes it at 66 he's 64 yeah right yeah so he does nothing until he turns 66 yeah so now she's 68 he's 66 and, and she's already collected for two years then when he turns his full retirement age at 66 because yeah. he's full retirement age he files a restricted application to take the spousal benefit okay. he I, receives half of her benefit until his age 70 the only thing though is that i don't know what year they were born for him to claim a spousal benefit 1954 is the cutoff <clears throat> right but if she's already claiming Right, it doesn't matter. At age sixty-six, she he can claim the spousal and then switch to his benefit at age seven. Yeah, but the restricted application is only uh, available to people that were born in nineteen fifty-four later or earlier. I thought once you were both, it, once one is making the payment, once receiving payments, the other could get the spousal. Not a restricted application because then now it's deemed. 
that even, qualified even for at, people that were like born, you e know, even at full retirement age. Yes. Okay. So that's where I was messing up. Then We got a question. Uh, let's see from Deb. She emailed in. Uh, we don't know where Deb's from. She emailed info at pure financial. So I guess we don't know. I guess Andy didn't go snooping around. Hey, I was told not to anymore. So I don't. Got it. So it was kind of creepy. Um, hi all been listening for a few years but needs some clarified needs something clarified uh, when i retired at 65 i retired with survivor benefits as i'm a widow however i worked for many years actually get a pension from one employer after 24 years but am now going to be 70 this year can i swap to my own social security retirement rather than survivor to be honest have no bills no debts no health problems own property in full and have never pulled anything out of my 401k. No need. At what age must I pull from the 401k and how much? Uh, thanks for all the valuable info over the years. Okay. Um, so when she retired at 65, she's 70 now, so five years ago. Right. She took the survivor benefit, which would be the husband's benefit versus her own. She is now 70 years old, and she's asking if she can switch to her own benefits. Uh, the answer is yes. Um, yeah, whichever's higher. Whichever's take, higher. Take it. Yeah. Because it was five years ago. Yeah. Because uh, the rules have changed. Uh, 2016, I believe, is when they kind of changed file and suspend and deemed um, benefits. And if you've already claimed a benefit and so on and so forth. Uh, but she's good. She claimed her own benefit. Um, or claim the survivor benefit, and then her benefit would continue to grow. Um, and so, yeah, she could switch back to her own. I'm 99% uh, positive there. but <laughs> I don't see any reason to doubt you on that one. And then the RMDs, Deb, you'll have to start taking distributions from the retirement account at age 72. Uh, so two more years. And then it's going to be percentage – um, a rough guesstimate, just call it 4% of what the balance is. So if it's $100,000, you're going to need to take $4,000 out that year. Anything to add? No, that's right on. 3700 to be more exact. Got it. <laughs> but very, very close. Very close. You want to take more than less. Yeah. If you take less, the, the, the amount that you took that you sh you, sh you didn't take that you should have gets uh, a 50% penalty. 50. Five, five zero. 50. 50. 50. Yeah, so if you should have taken a 1000 bucks more in RMD, you got a $500 penalty. So, okay, Deb. Uh, thanks a lot for listening over the valuable years. There are 2,700 rules around claiming Social Security. Since it is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make for retirement, it might be a good idea to download our Social Security Handbook. It'll walk you through who's eligible, how benefits are calculated, the difference between collecting early and late, working while taking Social Security, the rules around spousal, survivor, and divorce benefits, and the all-important taxation of your Social Security benefits. Click the link in the description of this episode in your podcast app to visit the show notes and download the Social Security Handbook. Yours free from Joe and Big Al and your money, your wealth. Let's go on to Rick from Colorado. Um, I know another Roth question. Um, as long as they're not asking about dependents at 23 and stimulus, <laughs> I think we're... Apparently we don't know the answer. I, I think we're doing all right. Uh, I know another Roth question. As if you don't get enough, 
First, a little background. My wife and I are both 65. I'm retired. She is still working and planning on retiring in April 2021. We contribute to a Roth and plan on doing a conversion from a regular IRA to a Roth this year. While the conversion count is income to push me over the limit to a Roth contribution or <clears throat> doesn't a swap or doesn't a swap count against the income gap? Not sure what a swap Swap. Is. But we'll, we'll keep going. Is that, we'll is figure that, it out. I don't know. Is that a new term for yeah. conversion? Maybe. We'll swap. Swap, swap it in. <laughs> swap it. Swap it into a Roth. I like that. I'd love Let's it. Let's not do a Roth conversion. Let's yeah. do a Roth swap. Yeah, Roth we're swap. swapping. We're, 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 we're ticking the box. We're tinking, tinking ticking the box. Ticking the box and we're swapping the, contra- the, the conversion. Uh, like also, I assume that's what it means. I think so. Also, we are planning to apply for Medicare next April when my wife retires. We currently have our health insurance through her employer. Will the conversion count as income to push our income over the limit for Medicare, where we'll have to pay a surcharge on Medicare? You probably answered the question before, but uh, what can I say? Enjoy your show. Love the back and forth and the timely answers. Thanks. And no, I'm not in Wisconsin per my phone number. That's psychopath. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> just, just, Google. Yeah, just making sure she hunts you down. Uh, we are now enjoying the sun in Colorado. Have a great one. Um, all right. So we got a couple minutes here to answer this, maybe a minute. Okay. So swapping. So if you do a Roth conversion, it's not going to affect the ability to do a Roth contribution. So that's not going to blow you up from an adjusted gross income standpoint. Yeah. So it's modified adjusted gross income for a Roth contribution. And you're right. A, a conversion does not count in that. So convert as much as you want. But it will affect your Medicare surcharge. That's um, right. For so, in, in two years from now. Correct. Um, so two years, if you do a large conversion, um, yeah, then your wife's Medicare premiums will be increased depending on how much that you convert. But you can still do a contribution. The, the conversion won't affect that. Um, it will affect your Medicare premiums in a couple of years. So swap. Yeah, let's swap it. Let's, Doesn't let's a, go for the, swap the IRA for a run. I like this. Yeah. So doesn't a swap count against the income cap? Depends, depends what cap you're talking about. There's different <laughs> I don't know. I'm from, see, because he's from Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm from Minnesota. You would never talk like that. You know, you're swapping <laughs> you in the cap. Well, he picked and that in up the, in yeah, Colorado. He's, he's, he's now Colorado. Well, no, he's Colorado. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe he picked that he's, up just in Colorado. He's 65 years old. He's Every, retired to Colorado Springs. Yeah. But living yeah. the dream. Everyone swap says things. swap in Colorado. <laughs> got, got the hell out of Wisconsin. Don't blame him. Okay. Um, we got one. From Joan, no location given. Big Al, I consider you a rock star in the world of personal investing. I already like her. (laughs) (laughs) I would say personal income taxes. (laughs) Investing, that's a little bit of a stretch. Hey, I'm on the investment committee. (laughs) You finally figured out what a small cap versus large cap was. (laughs) I I do. I do know that. Two hundred fifty million capitalization to to two billion. Got it. All right. I listen to all your. I mean, I like how she just says yours and yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, well, how many videos have you done by yourself? Uh, like four. <laughs> <laughs> but she watches them all the time. <laughs> she probably mutes you when you come on. Yeah, exactly. Especially those about Roth conversions. Yeah. Okay. All nice. right. My situation. 
I will be 63 this year and work part-time, partial retirement. Because of this, I am now in the 22% tax bracket single. Uh, in one of your podcasts, you said to convert to the 24% tax bracket, $160,000 limit, since taxes are only going to go up. I want, <clears throat> excuse me, I want life to be easy in retirement. However, I was thinking about doing this to buy a house using cash in a cheaper state. No local taxes, much cheaper real estate, um, school taxes, etc. It occurred to me that successful Roth conversions is only as good as how long it is invested after conversion. Is this the best way to unlock cash to buy a house so that I can live on less in full retirement? Or should I just finance again and let the Roth conversion money continue to grow? Um, my info. So I have $300,000 in home equity, $260,000 in a 403B, $250,000 in an IRA, 65000 in a Roth IRA, and about $100,000 in cash. No debt. Don't plan on collecting Social Security till 65 or 66. Um, Actually, I think she says 30000 in home equity, not 300000 Counting the zeros. Uh, she did, counting the zeros, because there's no commas. Hard yeah. to read. She doesn't have commas in any of this. Right. That's what I'm, I'm saying. just really good at looking so, at zeros. So Joan sent me a follow-up email that says, I did not tell you I would be moving from Pennsylvania to Arizona, where the, where the real estate slash school taxes are one-third of what we pay, and there are no lo local or payroll taxes. Also, HOA fees are non-existent or a lot less. And I just learned something I never heard before. If I convert from a tax-deferred account to unlock ordinary uh, taxes that take my tax bill over a lousy $1,000, the IRS will attach penalties to it. I was told I must pay ahead in 2020. I can pay in one lump sum or quarterly. I guess I will need to fill out 1040 ES. And then she says, from one vegan baby boomer to another. <laughs> so we share that uh, as well. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> Love, <God>. Joan. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, she said thanks again, Joe. No wonder she thinks you're a rock star. So anyway, so vegan rock star. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Um. Well, we need to know how much money Joan spends. Yeah, we, that would well, help. I guess from based on the information we have, so she's saying she's in the twenty-two percent tax bracket right now. Should she convert to the top of it? To the top of that bracket. Well, if you're in the 22% bracket now and... Oh, she wants to convert to the top of the 24. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe at least to the top of the 22. Mm -hmm. Maybe 24. If you're in the 22% bracket today, you're going to be in the 25% bracket or more in the future. So it would seem like it's a good deal. Furthermore, um, the market is not doing that well. You'd actually rather convert while the market's low so that you get that growth and recovery in a Roth IRA. So I kind of like that. But it's kind of then tied into, I guess, a home purchase. And maybe there's, um, let's see, how much does she have in a non quote She had a has 100 grand. 10, 10, or 10,000. 10,000 in cash and regular mutual funds. So there's, there's only so much to go around. So I don't know how much she's going to put down in a new home, but uh, I, I'm not against financing. A lot of folks don't want to have any uh, mortgage debt in retirement. To me, that's, I don't, 
I don't have any problem with mortgage debt in retirement as long as it fits within your budget. Interest rates are really low right now. Arizona actually has some really good deals on homes. So um, I would probably finance it and do as much Roth as you can afford. That's what I think. But I, I don't know. She's also asking, is she like to do a conversion and then take the money from the conversion? Yeah, I didn't really quite get that. I, I'm just, I'm going to assume that what she's asking is she only has so many resources to pay the tax versus, you know, the home. Although at the same time, there's not enough money in her cash account unless, unless I'm missing something. Well, here. she's got, well, she sells a home. It's $30,000 there. Yeah. 30, that's some 30, cash of 10. Yeah. That's 40. Yeah, maybe, so maybe you put that as a down payment maybe, maybe and then finance the rest. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. You do a conversion. Does it make sense for her to do a conversion? She's got a half a million bucks in retirement accounts. Um, so it, it all really depends on how much money that she's spending. Because, know. you know, let's say if she's only spending 40 grand, it might not make sense for her to do a conversion because she's going to be taking distributions from the retirement accounts. The RMDs is not going to push her up into a higher tax bracket. Right. Right. So it's just, I think there's, there's and we all, numbers missing from the equation. We, we also don't, we don't know what her income is from working part time. When she takes social security, will that replace it? Right. So we kind of have to look at some tax brackets before and after with, with uh, current earned income. But um, anyway, I don't, I don't have a problem with financing. Number one. Uh, number two is I, I like the idea of converting in the 22% bracket, even 24, depending upon your situation. Now it, it's a little bit more tricky in, in this situation with let's say $250,000 in an IRA, because it, if you're talking first year required minimum distribution at age 72. She's got 250 and a 403B too. Oh, I missed that. Okay. So 500 total. Yeah. So you're talking about $20,000 of income, which, right. which is, can be a lot, but it may not be enough to throw in the next bracket. We'd, we'd need to know what the other income looks like. Right. So 24 might be a little aggressive. Yeah. My, yeah. 24 probably is aggressive. 22 may not be. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Well, thanks a lot, John, um, for the, and thank you for the compliment. Yeah. Th thank you it. for uh, including me into your email. <laughs> Richard, he emailed Big Al. Hey, Big Al. Appreciate your show. His show. I know. That's the second one we've had. Yeah. How many, how many ones did you get this week? I got zero. Because <laughs> I don't really care for Richard. Richard's your, you know, anyway. Uh, for retirement, I have my aggressive growth in my Roth, my non-aggressive retirement in my traditional IRA, per your recommendations. I probably did say that. <laughs> but because of contribution limits to your IRAs, I had to put about a third of my aggressive growth savings for retirement in a taxable account. My plan is that once I get to retirement age, when I want my retirement savings to be less aggressive in general, I figured I would then move those aggressive funds to the taxable account to more secure investments. Then I realized that to move them, I would have to sell them, which means I'm going to have to pay a lot of taxes to do so. Bummer. Is there a good strategy that I could employ that would reduce my tax burden? My annual income varies greatly from $30,000 to $100,000, depending on how much I work. Thanks for your help. Yes, uh, we don't know how old he is. I have no idea. So Richard writes you, and it's a very bad email <laughs> because there's well, very little info we, here. We don't have a lot of info, but uh, let's, let's do the best of what we can. So he's talking first about asset location. Yeah. So, and I, and I probably did say in a prior podcast uh, is the way we think about 
asset location is you put the most aggressive asset classes in your Roth. And by aggressive, what I mean is those asset classes that have the highest expected return. I don't mean some crazy investment that's a long shot. I'm not saying that. The asset classes that have the highest expected return you put in the Roth. The asset classes that have the lowest expected return uh, that generally produce ordinary income, you put in your IRA, 401k, and then everything else goes into your non-retirement account, non-qualified account. Mm -hmm. And so for some people, they have a third, a third, a third. It works out really well. For some people, they have almost all money in a retirement account and very little elsewhere. So everything's sitting in the retirement account. You just have to go with what you have. So in this particular case, it looks like uh, Richard, based upon his his asset allocation that he wants to do, he's going to have to put some uh, uh, higher expected uh, uh, asset accounts in his, in his non-qualified, which I'm okay with. Because when you do sell them, it's capital gains, right? And so if you do want to rebalance them over time, just to reduce some risk, it, again, it's still capital gains. You do tax less harvesting when you can, that, that lessens the tax bite on that. And I'm not, I wouldn't really necessarily upon retirement, all of a sudden reallocate everything at one, in one fell swoop. You can do this much more gradually. So that's, I guess that's what I would say. Cool. Yeah. Strategizing is what it's all about to make your retirement dollars stretch as far as possible. Download our free guide on why asset location matters from the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Find out in more detail what asset location is, how it works with portfolio rebalancing, and how asset location may reduce the taxes you pay on the assets in your portfolio. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to get to the show notes. And if you've got questions, you know what to do. Click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner in the podcast show notes and send them on in. We got John from Indianapolis. He writes in, um, I'm a retired military and had contributed to TSP while on active duty, as well as after tax contributions to a USAA IRA. I have about hundred K in my USAA IRA and considering transferring into my TSP to consolidate. I opened a traditional IRA with Fidelity and contributed my 2019 $7,000 over 50 high earner. So this was non-deductible contribution. I'd like to transfer my $7,000 to a Roth. My understanding is that the TSP is not included in the basis for all traditional IRAs, but the USAA would. Question, if I transfer my USAA IRA into my TSP and then transfer the 7 into a Roth, is my previously... USAA IRA now in the TSP not included in my basis. Wow. So well, he's asking about the pro rata and aggregation rules yes, in regards yes. to doing a backdoor Roth IRA. Yep. Um, so the answer, <laughs> I don't think he keeps have to tell us it's USAA. <laughs> I could care less where the hell the money is. Well, he distinguishes that he's got a second IRA with Fidelity. But that's his, that's his non-deductible IRA. I don't worry that. Anyway, the answer is yes, uh, John. Once you get the money into the TSP from your IRA, it doesn't count in that aggregation rule. And so if you're only left with the $7,000 with basis and the Fidelity IRA, you can then convert that and then have that be tax-free. But a caveat there is you have to, the, the, the testing date for IRA basis is the last day of the year. Right. So sometimes sometimes people do this backwards. They do a backdoor Roth in March and then in November they retire and they roll their 401k to their IRA. Well, it's the IRA balances at December 31st of that year to determine this rule. So just make sure you don't get caught in that one. Yeah, very good point. Very, very good point. 
So you could have an IRA, um, multiple IRAs, right? Up until that's, December 31st, you yeah. consolidate, put it into the TSP plan like he does and do a backdoor Roth and he's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, cool. Um, we got Tiana. Is that how you pronounce that? Sounds good to me. Tanai. Tanai. Maybe I'd it's Tanai. I'd go with Tanai. Tanai. Yeah. Cool. It's kind of a cool name. Yeah, I like it. Tanai. Huh. Thousand Elks, California. Hi, Joe and Al. I'm 63 years old and work for the post office. My aunt worked for the post office for 30 some odd years. I have a TSP 401k through work in a TSP Roth. I want to convert my TSP 401k to my TSP Roth, but they don't allow it. Is there another way to convert my TSP 401k to a TSP Roth? I know I could open a Roth IRA, but I would only be allowed to contribute $7,000. I want to fill up the 24% tax bracket, though, which is much more than $7,000, and that's why I would like to convert. Thank you for any thoughts on this matter that you can provide. I absolutely love the show and have greatly appreciated the knowledge you guys provide. Nice. Well, I hope I didn't blow up Tanai's name. <laughs> I think you're getting it right now. You think it's Tanai? I think it's Tanai. Tiana is definitely not right. Well, T A that would be N A I. You'd have to have an N there for Tanai. I think it's Tanai. I'm going with Tanai. Have you ever met a Tanai? No. Well, you said Tiana at first, which would be T I A N A. You said, yeah, that sounds good. It's because I actually wasn't looking at the sheet at the time. So I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. And then I saw it and went, wow, you're wrong. T A N A I. Tanai. Tanai. Yeah. Um, here's what I would do is, but I know that they're not going to like the answer because everyone loves a thrift savings plan. You cannot convert a thrift. Sa- Remember that one guy that was like, oh, you made it so, sound so difficult. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, it took me two minutes to do it. And he completely blew himself up to That's a right. full distribution. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, TSP, yeah. so TSP does not allow um, a conversion. So what you're going to have to do is get it out of the TSP. You're going to have to do it. And because you're 63 years old, you can do a one-time in-service withdrawal, take the money from the TSP 401k, move it into an IRA. And then from the IRA, you can convert it into a Roth IRA. Um, At this point, the TSP 401k does not go into the TSP Roth, as you just noted. So you have to get it out of the TSP. So you got to open up two IRAs, uh, move the TSP into the IRA, and then open up a Roth IRA and then just do the conversions there. You could get very low cost funds as well. If you like to manage this stuff on your own, everyone's like, you know, the TSP is so great, which is, I mean, it's a good plan, but I mean, to inhibit, you know, just the, the restrictions that it has, you can still, you know, buy a Vanguard total U S stock market fund for just about the same cost as the. Yeah. And I, and I guess if you like the TSP, just uh, do an in-service withdrawal on part of it. Yeah, so so the part that you want to convert, right? Yeah, or I don't know. I would do it all because you probably want to do conversions throughout maybe. Well, I'm thinking, well, I I guess she tonight didn't say when she's going to retire, but. um, 63 years old, works for the post office. Yeah, when she retires, then she could could do withdrawals, in-service withdrawals at that. Not not in-service, just just rollovers at that point, right? No. No? Is it it one time? Well, in-service. But if she retires, I guess is what I'm saying. What you're going to do like little baby rollovers from yeah. the, uh, I don't, that's a good question. I don't think, um, they, they, you know what? 
I do know that answer, but not off the top of my head. Okay. Well, that, that'll that be for sure 274. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, that episode with the guy that was said it was so complicated was episode 270, and that was Cliff in Wisconsin. Cliff, so why is it so complicated? Because dude's from Wisconsin. Of course he blew it up. And Tania might be male, by the way, guys. Did I say her? Al did. Oh. Several times. That one, because I said Tiana, and then he was yeah, just thinking I, about I was, like a beautiful princess. I, I was, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Tiara. Different. <laughs> Whatever. I think I was thinking Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the pop star. Yeah. Um, we got uh, Craig writes in from Los Angeles, California. Uh, Joe, Big Alan, Andy. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of years, both fun and informative. Uh, being very careful with my spelling, grammar, and terminology so as not to be on the fun end of Joe's stick. Oh, there's no guarantee of that, Craig. <laughs> You're probably going to be on it. Thank you. Very good uh, grammar and terminology, <laughs> Craig. So, so far. Um, Andy, keep him honest. All right. On it, Craig. Okay. Anyway, I'm 58. My wife, 57, both retired with two young adult children in college. Currently have $4.5 million in tax-deferred retirement accounts, 401ks, IRAs, and will receive about another $3 million in qualified pension payments. Five-year period certain that will roll over into our traditional IRAs over the next four years. wonder if uh, Craig works for like Raytheon or... Well, I was thinking... Well, I don't know, LA. I was going to say Qualcomm, but that's not LA. But some some technology company that hit big with his, he had company stock in the plans. That, that'd be my guess. No, it's a pension, five-year payout that can get rolled into an IRA. Like uh, Raytheon yeah, yeah. has that pension. Yeah, actually, right. We, we've seen that. It could be Raytheon. Yeah, we have about 100 Raytheon employees <laughs> as clients. Um, these amounts are evenly split between my wife and I. So they both work for the same company. Ooh, okay. Oh, a little romantic yeah. um, around the workplace. Met, did they meet at the company? Or? I would imagine at the water or cooler. Was it? You're such a gossip. <laughs> I guarantee that's what happened. <laughs> um, I don't know, Craig. You tell me if I'm right. <laughs> um, I have begun Roth IRA conversions this year up to the 24% tax bracket and plan on doing them until my RMDs kick in. With the Secure Act eliminating the stretch, stretch, IRA, stretch IRA, what else can you recommend to tax efficiently reduce and or protect the legacy on our tax deferred accounts? Uh, my modeling suggests, okay, definitely engineer. engineer. <laughs> I'm thinking Raytheon. I think you're right. <laughs> Um, tax deferred accounts will remain sizable even with the conversion strategy. And I'm concerned about the taxes on my heirs, especially in the case of our premature deaths. Life insurance term, children as partial primary beneficiaries, retirement accounts, accelerated gifting. Um, appreciate your thoughts. Okay, so I get it. So he wants some advanced planning because his IRA accounts could be gigantic when he passes. Yes, they're going to be huge because he's young. He's young, right? And so these will just keep growing, assuming that he's not spending all that he, I mean, it's just going to keep growing. Right. So he's got 40 years, right, of this growth, and he's only going to be taking, a, you know, 1% or 2% on it. And then it's all deferred, right? And we see this all the time. Right. It's looking yep. at, okay, so here we saved a, a good chunk into the 401k plan. We got pensions. 
We got everything else. Everything is deferred. Everything is going to ordinary income. And all right, so now I'm converting to the top of the 24% tax bracket. That 24% tax bracket is pretty wide open. I mean, it's up to what, $400,000 of adjusted gross income just under that. Yep. So I think that's definitely the right play, uh, but it's still not enough as he's modeling, right? Yeah, yeah it, and it wouldn't be. Yeah, he's seeing this thing and it's like, man, I can't stop the bleeding here. I'm just trying to, um, he's, he's uh, buckets of water are full in and he's got a teaspoon to try to get it out. It's it's a great problem to have, but it's a, it's a big tax time bomb. So a few things that you can do that we would probably recommend in this situation is that I do believe that life insurance would probably make some sense. Um, a second to die life insurance probably um, on you and your spouse's life where you could take then, let's say you would calculate, let's let's call it the required distribution or whatever dollars that you're not going to spend. So he's already kind of running the numbers here. So Craig, here's what you do. You run the numbers based on what your income is, what your expenses are, and then whatever your surplus is. And then you reinvest that and then you can model this thing out until your RMD age. Once the RMDs hit the required distributions, his surplus is going to be pretty high. Right. So then you could look at, all right, well, here, I can cover all of my needs, all my spouse's needs. If the market blows up or whatever, assuming a, a fairly low growth rate, a very high inflation rate, just super conservative. And then you can see how much money is kind of getting lost to taxes and how much money's left over. And then you can kind of take a present value calculation of that. And then you can use that to buy a life insurance contract, a couple million bucks. I mean, it would probably be a lot more than that because they can afford the premium. Um, the cost of insurance would be pretty low because it's on you and your wife's life and you're still young at 57. And then the, the death benefit doesn't get paid out until both of your deaths to the children tax-free. So that's a way to leverage it a little bit. You could get it outside of your state as well. What about um, having a charitable remainder trust be the beneficiary? You could IRA? do that as well. Because that, that's a, and I'll say that again, charitable remainder trust would be the beneficiary, maybe not of the of the entire IRA, but at least of some of it. And so what would happen there, so at, on, upon your death, it goes, the, the proceeds go into a charitable remainder trust and you have the kids, have, you have to have one for, I guess, how many kids, two kids? It looks that way, yeah. Yeah, one, you'd have to have two trusts because you have a single beneficiary, but then they could get a payout over the course of their lifetime. So it would be almost like the stretch IRA through a charitable remainder trust. There's some downsides. You got to set up the trust, which is expensive, and you got to pay for the, 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 the accounting and taxes to file a tax return each year. But that, that could be something the dollars here are sizable enough that that might make sense. Yeah, you could accelerate some gifts, but you're still, I mean, that, that doesn't help you because everything is yeah. in qualified accounts, know, right? right? So you're going to have to pay the tax to give to the kids. The kids are going to be in a lower tax bracket and blah, 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 blah. Um, but when they inherit it, it's going to be um, over 10 years. And, I, and I'm, I'm guessing that once uh, Craig dies, is that the, the, the 10 years now something a lot shorter than yeah, it could that. be five or, yeah. or, or what right. or less yeah. so hey uh, appreciate the, the the question my friend uh, good luck with all of that hopefully that gave you a little food for fodder your money your wealth is presented by pure financial advisors click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule a free financial assessment video conference with a certified financial planner 
Pure from Pure. Again, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click the free assessment button or call 888-994-6257. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Um, you got money questions. Here's the here's the telephone number to call. It's 888. No, what the hell am I doing? What, what are we doing? You go to yourmoneywealth.com. Click on Ask Joe and Big Al. I mean, you can call if you want, 888-994-6257, but it's probably easier to just email us. Got it. And and I don't remember numbers, but even I remember that number. (laughs) We'll beat up, but we'll we'll power through. (laughs) Uh, I think this is the third week I've seen you face-to-face, six feet apart, of course. That's better than... That's pretty good. When did we clear out the office? That was like 10 weeks ago, wasn't it? March yeah, 16th. I was. March 16th? March 16th, yeah. My husband's so, birthday was the next day. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, hopefully soon see some daylight.